Rachel. Thank you, Suzanne. Sounds beautiful. Thank you very much. Hey, good morning. Happy Sunday. Good to see you here. Uh, my name is Eric Bryan, and thank you so much for uh, joining us on Sunday morning. Let's begin, shall we, by hearing words from the Lord Jesus. I think you came here to hear him more than me today. So let's hear from him. From Luke chapter 12, this is the Lord. I tell you, my friends, Jesus says, do not fear those who can kill the body after and after that they have nothing more that they can do. But I warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Are not one of them forgotten before God? Why, even the hairs of your head are numbered. Fear not. You are of more value than many sparrows. And fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the needy, provide for yourselves with money bags that do not grow old with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches or no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, is there your heart will be also. Amen. Let's stand. Let's sing together our first hymn together. Take the hymn in front of you, and we'll sing hymn number 309. I will sing of my Redeemer. Thank you. Please be seated. Well, welcome, everybody. It's great to see you again. I wanted to share with you a couple of announcements from our bulletin that hopefully catch your eye. Uh, when you leave from Stuttgart, I hope you look back on this chapel family as being something great, as something that you really enjoyed during this season. We have a couple of things coming up. I'd just like to share with you a few things. Next Sunday, next Sunday, please come. We've got some turkeys we're making. We've got some souffles. We've got some dinner rolls. Please bring a side dish that you're thankful for. We're having a kind of a pre-Thanksgiving meal next door. You know, after chapel, we always have lunch together. So come join us next, next Sunday. We kind of have some kind of a step it up our game a little bit some, with some turkey and such. Christmas choirs as well. Those of you who can sing, come join us right after the service. We, usually have, we now have a little team that's kind of gathered. We have some children, that we have some adults singing together. So thank you, Rachel, so much for putting that together. We're going to sing some Advent songs coming up in the future. So join us right after the service for that. Mark your calendars also for Christmas Eve. It's coming up in a month and a couple weeks away. But we're going to have a real special service here. We have some beautiful things planned that you might not typically see in a Christmas Eve service, so please come 4 o'clock that evening. Also, I just want to say this. The last announcement in your bulletin is a little announcement about roads. So just saying, if roads are black or roads are, roads are red because of snow and drifting snow, just know that we cancel the chapel services. So go to your Stuttgart app, go down to roads and, and updates, and they'll update you there. Just, you never know. <laughs> Might have a foot of snow next week, just want you to be prepared. So just a thought about that. 
Also, we're going to start doing something a little bit unique and hopefully very special. We're going to amp up our giving in a very beautiful way. Once a month, we're taking nominations from you for a Christian charity that maybe we should support. So once a month, we're going to have, at the end of the month, we're going to have a designated offering for a, a Christian organization, a credible 501c3 vetted and tried trust organization, where we can give. Okay, So at the end of this month, 27th of November, we're going to give to the persecuted church, Christian church worldwide, called Voice of the Martyrs. It was founded 50 years ago by Richard and Sabrina Vermbrand. The money that has gone to this organization provides practical relief for families of Christian martyrs. It equips persecuted Christians to love those who, are, who have opposed the gospel, which is really special, I think. And also helps believers really rebuild their lives in some very difficult places of the year. So just mark your calendars for that on the 27th of November. A couple other things. On the 5th of December, um, we have some families here that can organize kind of a Christmas decoration, Christmas cookie decoration thing here in the, in the, uh, in the chapel annex here. So that's coming up on the 5th. And the 8th of December, just for the ladies in the Stuttgart too, just a real special thing that PWOC does every year. They have a real nice um, December 8th, 6 to 9th p.m. celebration, singing, fellowship, celebrating Jesus Christ, the ladies in our community. So mark your calendar for that. So, Jody, come up here for a second. Jody's my wife. Um, we want to talk a little bit about something because Christmas is very busy. And we might do this next week as well because we have a lot of families kind of away for Veterans Day this week. But we're going to talk about Advent a little bit and talk about some special things that we can do, that you can do as a family singles or families, to slow down and really savor the Christmas season, right? You want to say something, sweetie? No. Sorry? Okay, I'll start. Here you go. Um, Advent, as you know, part of the church calendar, not all churches celebrate the church calendar, but it's, the church calendar slows us down to celebrate Advent, which means coming, the coming of Jesus Christ. Four Sundays prior to Christmas, we celebrate Advent, and so something you can do as a church, something you can do as a family. In fact, at at Robinson, if you're interested, a chaplain Van Ness and his service are actually having an Advent wreath building time where they have 25 extra slots. You can join them. They're going to do it on Wednesday, um, yeah, Wednesday the 30th of November. Um, they have 25 opportunities where you can build your own Advent wreath and celebrate together. So a couple things we do in our home, too, is not just the Advent wreath. We celebrate what we call a Jesse tree or an Advent calendar. Here are a couple of pictures that you might see in, in, you know, out in town, these little Advent calendars. There's another one a little more elaborate. But, Jody, why don't you say something about, about the Jesse tree that is kind of people can do in their home? And... Well, so well, I guess what we're trying to say is you can celebrate Advent at home, and you should celebrate Advent at home. And so that's what we're, what we're doing is giving you a couple of ideas that you can do in your own, as your own family worship because uh, it's more than just four Sundays. So one thing that you can do is a Jesse tree, which I never heard of until I was in a military chapel like 20 years ago. Um, and it is, it, what it does is it, uh, it's 24 readings, and it starts with Genesis and goes all the way. So it tells the whole story. Of not just Christ, but like how God created the world, and then there was sin, and then, uh, and then who is next? Moses? Nope. Abraham. 
Noah. It would be Noah. And then it, and it moves on. And so um, I have an email, reformchurchpress.com. You can go to. Someone printed this out from a years ago. And maybe, I don't know, far away you can see. This would be December 2nd. There's, this is a stump with a, with a shoot, a root of Jesse. And this reading would be from Isaiah. So what we'll do as a family, we'll probably start this the night after Thanksgiving because we can't do it every single night. We'll read this verse. And then uh, whoever gets to do this first, like, so this is tag one, and then you pull out tag one, and there's going to be a ornament with that stump on it. And then someone will put it up there with a, with, and often I put treats in here too. Someone made this for me years ago. And then another thing that we do in our church, in our, in our home is, have you, has anyone ever heard of Jotham's Journey? I think you guys have, the Shootles have, right? This is a four-part series. I've got four books of them. Um, it's a story of Advent, and it takes it takes uh, Jotham through a, a journey that he does. And so we do that. We also do this every night. Well, maybe about twenty nights in in the month of of in Christmas. And here's something fun that I've done. Someone taught this to me, so I did this. So Rachel, you could do this too. I put the year and where I what where we were. So this was 2016 Fort Jackson. Uh, 2020 was Fort Hood. So uh, then it, it, there's a four-part series. So that, that's another fun if your kids are a little younger, but we, we still do it even though our kids are older because we enjoy it too. And then we also, do you want to do the, um, the, the final thing? You ordered some of these. Do you want to say that yet? Um, sure. Okay. <clears throat> so we have some devotions for you too. If you personally would like to just have an Advent devotion that will take you through the book of Luke, and have some scripture reading and some things you can write to. It's just a way of slowing down the Christmas season and making it special as a family. So, Very short, yeah. but important. Yeah. So that's just the idea. Our, our values here with you in this chapel is rest and connection and just slowing down the season so, and making times reverent. So, so just ideas that you might enjoy. T- Tim Keller, he's a... He's a um pastor in new york city he often he has this talk he says don't miss the whoosh the idea is don't miss the reverence of the season it's not santa and it's not even jesus for one night but it's this beautiful redemption story that we celebrate on uh, december 24th and 25th and so celebrating advent as a family slows that down and keeps the focus where it should be, which is on Christ and what he, and God, of course, and what he is doing, how he is redeeming all of us. Okay, thanks for listening. Okay, let's stand. Let's sing our next hymn together, shall we? Um, hymn number uh, 597, Take My Life and Let It Be. be seated. Uh, The first scripture reading is Job chapter 42 verses 10 through 17, which can be found in your pew Bible on page 383. And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job. When he had prayed for his friends, and the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before, then came to him all his brothers and sisters, all who had known him before, and ate bread with him in his house. And they showed him sympathy and comforted him for all the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. And each of them gave him a piece of money and a ring of gold. 
And the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. And he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. He had also seven sons and three daughters. And he called the name of the first daughter Jemima, and the name of the second Keziah, and the name of the third Karen Hepek. And in all of the land there were no women so beautiful as Job's daughters. And their father gave them an inheritance among their brothers. And after this, Job lived 140 years and saw his sons and his sons four generations. And Job died an old man full of days. The second scripture reading today is Revelation chapter 6, verses 9 through 11, and also chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. This can be found in your pew Bible on page 870. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete, who were to be killed as they themselves had been. When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in the heaven for about half an hour. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with the fire from the altar and threw it on the earth. And there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Jacob, uh, for reading that scripture passage for us. Uh, These are two scripture passages. Um, It would be good to go back and read again today because they are such meaningful scripture passages. And they answer the question, at least they help us answer the question, why does God allow suffering if he loves us so much? The first passage you read, um, that Jacob read, was from the end, the very end of Job's story. It's something that Job did not see in his life. He did not see the, the restoration of all things after he had suffered so much. And then the second passage you heard, um, it was from the last book of the Bible, in the book of Revelation. We see how God mysteriously uses, it's hard to imagine, but he mysteriously uses the lives of those who have been martyred. He uses the prayer of people who have been persecuted to fulfill these these end times events that are just beyond our imagination. Why does God allow suffering? Why does God allow the cross in Jerusalem to take place? He works in ways that we don't see. He works beyond our time. He is good in mysterious ways. But the most interesting part is that somehow God allows us you and me to be part of this redemption plan. Isn't that just striking? So as we have a, a moment today of silent confession, it's, I offer you just time to be silent before God and simply ask and think about the question, Lord, 
How can you use me in your plan of redemption? Let's think about that for a moment. Why would God use a cross? And why would God use an unjust death of Jesus to be part of his good plan? How could Jesus forgive those who crucified him? The answer is that there is this beautiful sacrifice. Jesus, you know this already. His sacrifice has covered sin, past, present, and future. The book of Hebrews tells us one sacrifice For all time, all sin has been covered. So if you are going through a season of suffering, uh, in a season of unjust challenges, cling to Jesus all the more. (laughs) Our union with Jesus makes all the difference. Our role is simply just to turn to him, to trust in him, to repent from our sin as we see it and as we know it. Receive the Lord's forgiveness and follow him as the Lord. So, the best offering we can give is ourselves. Yes, we have a time now where we, we give money that we collect for Stuttgart's ministries, and that's beautiful and that's important, but don't miss the point that your body, yourself, your life, God put here in Stuttgart for a reason, so use it for his glory. Ushers, would you please come forward for a morning offering? Thank you. Please be seated. This weekend is Veterans Day. We celebrated it last Thursday and through this weekend too. It's a weekend we remember, obviously, our military tribe, our military tribe of veterans. It's quite the challenging profession, wouldn't you say? But a broader definition of the word veteran, as you know, is anyone with experience. Usually a long experience and expertise in a certain area of service. And today, I am especially thankful for veteran prayer warriors such as you. The prayers that we collected, um, you you have a copy in the back if you'd like to see them. We collected 60-some prayers from you. And I just would love to read some of the prayers um, that you wrote as we prayerfully express them to our Lord. Here we go. A prayer for the greater Stuttgart community and the Stuttgart military community that the children and our youth will hear and know Jesus Christ as their Savior that they will grow in the knowledge of the Lord who loves them so that they can shine as lights of Christ in their homes, in their villages, in their schools, in their future workplaces. Next prayer, God's will be done in Stuttgart. Simple prayer, especially among U.S. Army families, your salvation for every family. 
Dear God, thank you for this day and thank you for the chance to live and worship and fellowship in Stuttgart. I pray for the community and our ability to pull together to help support the world's issues, both the little things that we can do to help and the sacrifices we must take in the short term. I pray for those recently transitioning into this area that they may find a community that is welcoming and reflection of your love and compassion. I pray for those who are preparing to transition so they can enjoy their final experiences and see your glory in everything in and around Stuttgart. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. Oh, Heavenly Father, I pray this morning for the Stuttgart community to become one. We are so divided as a people, as a community. We as a community don't reach out to all the cultures. Lord, as we as a community, and help us as a chapel do better. Lord, guide our leaders to see the need. Well said. I pray that our families are strengthened to be kind to each other and to be more understanding when difficulty comes. And one more prayer for today. God, please allow the people of Stuttgart to open their hearts to you. Fill their life with your presence, God. God, lead our communities to fulfill your will. We pray that those who are in need of your healing, of your forgiveness, receive it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today, instead of um, the Lord's Prayer, I have another prayer from Scripture for you to read today. We might say this together. Um, we, we, we read earlier from the book of Job, the last chapter of Job, and there's a prayer that Job prays that's just as special, a little bit different, as a man who's gone through suffering and trials. So I thought with this theme of, of, of trials today that even our Scripture text will talk about today, it might be good to pray this prayer together. So let's, let's turn our thoughts to the screen right here, and let's... Let's pray this together as we read it. From Job 42, verses 1 through 6. Lord, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Lord, may we really own this prayer of Job so that we just don't know of you and hear of you, but we really see you, God, for who you really are. Like Job said so well, you can do all things. Even with suffering, you carefully oversee it, just like Jesus on the cross. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. So God, help us. Help our Chittle Chapel family today and us in Stuttgart. Really trust you all the more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I never really thought of myself as a preacher. 
my heart is more of a teacher. I'd rather see you learn. I'd rather see you grow. I'd rather see you mature. I'd rather see you sincerely know who God is. So I've been wondering this past week and the past couple weeks, is this series on these Psalms of Ascents really helping you? Are you learning something? Are you learning something new? Are you excited to, to learn the next psalm when it comes up? And more importantly, I'd ask the question, are you growing as a Christian through this part of God's word? I've always liked what Paul wrote in his letter to Ephesians of how he evaluates the success of his church. And this is what Paul writes. He says, God gave some as apostles, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building of the body of Christ until we all attain to a unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to mature womanhood, to the measure of the stature that belongs to the fullness of Christ. In other words, Paul is saying, we are doing our job as a chapel if we're maturing, if we're growing, if we're growing into the stature of who Jesus is. I like that. So I'm not sure what works best for you on Sunday mornings. I just pass on a few things that maybe I have, I don't know, done in the past. I would encourage you, if you can, to bring a notebook with you when you come to chapel and to write down a few phrases or things that you hear so it helps you grow. You know, sometimes you just write them on a bulletin, but the bulletins get thrown away and get lost. Keep a little notebook if you can. And it's okay, I often do this, to underline a few phrases in the Bible that I like. Um, just a few things that I have underlined over the past few weeks. We've gone through the Psalms of Ascent. I'll share them with you this morning just to keep your learning fresh. Back in October, when we first started the Psalm of Ascent series, we hit Psalm 120, our very first one. And the words I underlined were sharp arrows, glowing coals from the juniper tree. Psalm 120 reminds us that words seriously matter. And as Christians, we understand that words injure like sharp arrows. And words can burn for years like glowing coals from the juniper tree. Psalm 121, that verse we printed on the back of our sweatshirts. By the way, I have some extra sweatshirts in the back if you want. But on the sweatshirts that you're wearing and wear around our community, there's that beautiful verse from Psalm 121. Mein Helf kommt vom Herrn, der Himmel dun der Erde gemacht My German's not great, but my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. We all know it. It's hard to ask for help. By nature, you and I both, we are self-sufficient, we're independent, we walk alone. But Psalm 121 reminds us that we walk with the helper. The Holy Spirit is our helper, and so is this body of Christ. Psalm 122, the next psalm we hit, the, word, the phrase that I really like to underline is, for the sake of my brothers and sisters. Why did we come to church on Sundays? Why do we make this pilgrimage to patch? It's to be a blessing to others. 
we have to resist that American, whatever we inherited from our grandparents, is that we come to church to watch, to be entertained. It's like a theater, and then we go home. No, the scripture is clearly pointing, so does Psalm 122. We come to be a blessing to our brothers and sisters. The body of Christ functions so well, and we're each, each bringing a gift with us. Psalm 123, the next psalm, late last week in October, this is what I underlined. I word the underlined, underlined the word contempt. And I learned it two times in, in that psalm, the word contempt. If you hear that week, I spoke about four dysfunctional communication patterns that, that we see in marriages, but we see in any kind of communication. Contempt, attacking someone's character, criticizing, saying you, critiquing someone. The third one, being defensive, always having to be right. And the fourth one, stonewalling, turning your back on someone, not responding. But you might remember this picture we had for the end of that psalm that, that Sunday, that the eyes of that psalmist looks up to the Lord when they've been treated with contempt. And our eyes are dependent upon the Lord, just as Psalm 123 reminds us. The next one, Psalm 124, you hear when Ryan Brang spoke. Ryan's such a good speaker. I love him. He's away this weekend. Ryan spoke about that, that psalm. And in that psalm, there's this picture of, of believers being devoured and being overcome and being ripped apart and being snared. But the theme that we underlined, at least I underlined in my scripture that day, was the Lord is on our side. Last week, if you're here, we had a guest speaker, Chaplain Allman. And the thing that I heard from Chaplain Allman consistently was the word trust. We travel with trust. And these psalms are, are, are moving songs, they're traveling songs. We have to learn to trust each other as the body of Christ. And when we trust, we are immovable like Mount Zion. So this brings us to Psalm 126. This is our text for us this morning. Let's hear it. Let's learn from it. And whatever words or phrases that the Lord impresses on your mind, don't be afraid to underline them. Remember them. Incidentally, um, Psalm 126, um, at the end of the psalm is the word sheaves. Vincent van Gogh was famous for, for painting sheaves. Sheaves are those bundles of wheat that are gathered in the harvest. And so when you see the word sheaves, I want you to see the picture of a, of a sheave of wheat. Psalm 126. When the Lord returned, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those in a dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He, goes, he who goes out weeping, bearing the seed of sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy bringing his sheaves with him. Psalm 126.
So Psalm 126 was written for everyone. It's there in your Bible. It's for everyone to read. But I think Psalm 126 will only be owned and deeply understood by a special group of people. Psalm 126 is written for those who have lost something of great value, but have seen the Lord get them through it. This past week, I met with a lady here in Stuttgart who put, was organizing to put her dying father into hospice. She'll get Psalm 126 because she's losing someone of great value. This past week, as you might have known, was the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Christian Church. Um, There are so many jailed, so many mistreated, so many spied upon, so many kidnapped people around this world in so many different places just because they're Christians. And yes, they will get the tears, the sowing with tears of Psalm 126 in ways that we, as comfortable Americans, cannot get. I also think Psalm 126 was written for modern-day Ukrainians, and a lot of other nations that have escaped the media's notice by so many others who've experienced great loss. Psalm 126 is also meant for anyone who is stuck, who's really stuck in life's great hardships and really doesn't know what to do next. It could be the loss of a child, the loss of a friend that's really important, the loss of a parent, the loss of a spouse, the loss of something you really fought hard, fought hard, fought hard for, I mean, the loss of a role you played. But for the person who wrote Psalm 126, it was the loss of the fortune of Zion, the loss of a great nation, Israel, no longer a nation worthy of respect, the loss of something beautiful, the loss of something holy in this nation. Sometimes I honestly feel that way about my nation as well. But Psalm 126, don't miss this, is not going to allow you to stay stuck. Psalm 126 wants to pull you up and out of your sadness. You've got to understand why the psalm was written. It's to reach down and grab you by the hand. It's the psalm that gives you perspective that doesn't allow you to stay stuck. Because the Lord is bigger. And his plans are more thoughtful than you can imagine. From the third and fourth verse, the verse is repeated two times. It's something I might underline myself. I said, the Lord, it says, the Lord has done great things. And the Lord will do great things. But it's hard to see it, isn't isn't it? Especially when you're going through hard times. This past month, um, this picture here, I've shown it to you a couple times. We've done a lot of talking about Martin Luther because, after all, we're here in Germany and it's October, it's the month of Reformation. Last week, and here it is again, I'll show you this is a picture of Wartburg Castle. It's only about three and a half hours drive in Stuttgart if you're interested. It's a castle where Martin Luther was put into hiding. It's where exactly 500 years ago, in 1522, he translated the New Testament into the German language so that people like me and you, men and women, boys and girls, could read the word of God in the vernacular of their own language. 
But behind Vartburg Castle, look off in the distance, squint up here and make sure you can see it on the screen. Off in the distance is the town of Eisenach. And in the town of Eisenach, about 150 years after Martin Luther was born, a young German boy who would benefit significantly from Luther's Bible translation. The young boy experienced a lot of tragedy, though, at, his, at a young age. He had lost both of his parents, both unexpectedly and tragically within a span of nine months. He was orphaned at the age of 10 years and shipped off to live with a relative. But like the psalm reminds us, the Lord has done great things. And the Lord will do great things, and he loves to restore fortune. The boy that grew up in the shadow of Martin Luther's Vartburg Castle would cultivate, work hard at his musical gifts, and over a lifetime of career, would compose over 1,100 brilliant musical works, fugues and preludes, cantatas, sonatas for the church and for the state. This boy you know, Johann Sebastian Bach. But Bach's life was not easy by any means, even after his childhood. His wife died unexpectedly and early. And even after marrying a second time, Bach lost seven, yes, seven of his 13 children in early childhood. But Johann Sebastian Bach, just like you, read his Bible, thanks to Luther's translation, and Bach must have studied these Psalms of Ascent because on Christmas Day, December 25th, 1725, in Leipzig, Germany, Bach performed a Christmas cantata and named this cantata after a verse that he must have underlined in his Bible. Any guesses on which one it might have been? Psalm 126, the second verse. Unser Mund sei lachens. May our mouth be full of laughter. Psalm 126, verse 2. May our mouth be full of laughter. May our tongues be shouted the joy. That is the purpose of this psalm, is that even in life's tragedies, the deaths, things you can't see coming, God will bring laughter. And he loves to restore times of suffering. Whenever we read God's word, we should always look for repeated words. And in Psalm 126, there are three repeated words all through this psalm. In verse 1, let me tell you what it is. It's the word joy. In verse 1, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those in a dream. Our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Verse 5, those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. Verse 6, come bring home the sheaves of shouts of joy. Joy, this word I want us to think about a little bit this morning. We'll see that word joy, won't we, a lot in the next month? But I'm afraid our culture has a different word of choice that is so connected with joy, I want you to see its difference. And that is the word happiness. I hear it a lot, and I bet you hear it a lot in your world. I just want you to be happy. Even if it means not doing good things for your body, even destroying your body, doing bad things for your life, I just want you to be happy. Be happy. 
That's the best advice, the, the only advice our culture gives these, these days. And while there's nothing wrong with being happy, I'm not convinced that the Lord always, always wants us to be happy. But I do know that he wants us to be joyful. Joy is the fruit of the Spirit, not happiness. And there is a difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is an emotion. And our level of happiness changes with the activities that we do, the food that we eat, the people that we're around. Things on the outside make us happy, but joy is different. Joy comes from the inside. Happiness is gained by pleasure, which explains why your animals are happy, why your dog wags his tail. Animals be happy. But joy is gained by being selfless which explains why only humans can be joyful. This past week and a half, I had to go to Berniger Land Mall, you know, the mall around the corner. I was walking there to do a few errands. I walked by this store, and I really, I don't really do a lot of clothes shopping for myself. It's not, I don't have the time, but I was walking by the store, and I really liked this shirt. I liked the flannel, and I liked the buttons. I thought, man, that shirt would make me happy. I'll be happy wearing this shirt. It was broader for you. I did get the shirt. The shirt's a nice shirt. It made me very happy. But joy is not wearing the shirt. It's knowing that the shirt would look better on your son when he comes home for college. Joy is the feeling of a little sacrifice, of not wearing the shirt for yourself, but Saving it for your son on Christmas. That's joy. Joyful people also can live in the desert. In verse 4 in our psalm, Psalm 126, verse 4 says, Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. This picture here is a, it's a picture of the Negev desert in southern Israel, mentioned in our psalm. Happy people like to live in pleasant places like Germany. But joyful people can live anywhere, even in the desert, because even in the desert, God will be with them and will nourish them in ways that just life can't. But what do you do if your life is like the Negev Desert when you don't know you don't like where you're living. You don't see any growth. Psalm 126 tells us what to do in the last couple of verses. And please own this if you can. Psalm 126 tells us to sow even with the tears that we have. Sowing means to plant. It means to work it means to keep on working. It means to invest. It means to invest in things that you can't see to keep a vision of growth for you. And that's what God's people do when we're living in when times of desert. Sowing it means to care for your soil. It means to dig up the rocks that are around you that don't belong. To surround yourself with nutrients, with, with people that's, that, that, that bring life to you. Sowing means to remove the, the weeds and the thorns in your life that prevent the growth, the people that are not good for you. 
So anyone here who feels like you're stuck in the desert, do what God's people have done. And what Psalm 126 reminds us to do is to start planting. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. And we trust that the Lord will do good things with us even when we're planting. If anyone knows a thing or two about planting, it's this man here. A man with a great beard, I've got to admit. His name is Knowles Shaw. Knowles Shaw. Knowles Shaw lived in southern Ohio, the mid-1800s. And over 19 years of music and preaching ministry, he planted a lot of seeds. Some document that Noel Shaw baptized between 11,000 to 12,000 people in his ministry. It was said that Noel Shaw first became a Christian and was converted while he was playing the violin in a dance party. Mid-performance, he just got up, apologized to the crowd, walked out of the party. <laughs> He's kind of like the pretty bold, I guess, but uh, convicted that he wanted to sow in more intentional ways. And I was reading about the life of Noel's um, Shaw this past week. I realized how much of his life actually parallels the life of Johann Sebastian Bach. Noel's actually was an extremely talented and gifted musician. They called him the singing evangelist. Quite a famous man around the time of Dwight Moody. But he also experienced a lot of tragedies as well. His father also liked Bach died when he was 10 years old. He also experienced the loss of all four of his children. The really sad and descriptive story of how his teenage daughter was dying and he was with her in the moment, such a tragic death. But like Johann Sebastian Bach, and like, hopefully like you, Noel Shaw was a student of the Psalms. And he must have underlined words that caught his attention. And so happens he wrote one of the most famous hymns ever written based on one of the Psalms. Any guesses which Psalm it is? I know you know what it is. Psalm 126, the last verse. You might know the song when you watch the Andy Griffith show or Little House on the Prairie, they sing it. Bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves. We will come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. <laughs> but there's one who cares more about the sheaves and the harvest than all of us can bear. You know this, the Lord Jesus. In today's sermon, I don't want you to remember Bach. I don't want you to remember Noel Shaw. I want you to remember the Lord and his desire for the harvest. From the Lord Jesus' words, remember this, from Matthew chapter 9. Jesus went through the city, the villages, teaching in the synagogues. I like that. Not preaching in the synagogues, but teaching in the synagogues. Proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and they were helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly that the Lord of the harvest 
would send laborers into the harvest. I invite you to labor with us in Stuttgart. Granted, it's not the most um, glamorous community in the world. It's, there are places in the world that are much more persecuted and dangerous, but Stuttgart has its own place and needs. And you know it because you live here. And you know the needs of here. And whatever your gift might be, use it for God's glory in Jesus Christ. Hospitality, opening up your home. A music ministry, use your sports. If you're in a sports, start a Christian club or use it for God's glory, whatever you're doing on the court. Reading, organizing, leadership, wherever you're stationed, whatever position. Use your gift of leadership. Use your gift of listening, your acts of mercy, acts of service, giving people rights. Just know this, the laborers are few. I also don't want you to forget the most dangerous places on earth. This week I printed off 25 of the most dangerous communities and I put them on a sheet of paper I described what the nation was, how you can pray for them, and, and what's so hard about living in a Christian community, in that community, in that, Christian, in, that, in that place of the world. And I put them on the back table back there. So when you leave today, or when you come by for lunch, I'll have a, a piece of paper for you. You can take that piece of paper with you and pray for that nation that you choose. 25 of them. Choose one and pray for it. But meanwhile knowing that while we're in a desert place, the Lord will do great things through us when we sow. So in honor of sowing and thinking of the sheaves and thinking of the harvest, let's conclude the day. Let's sing Noel Shah, famous hymn together. Let's sing it together. It's not written in your bulletin. I have it up here. Bringing in the sheaves. Great way to end today's service.